With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast SCNZ, Tuesday the 21st of February. Hope you're doing okay in this um, beautiful morning. It's beautiful down here in Christchurch. I hope country is doing the same for you wherever you are in the country. 0800 150 811. It's the Kennards High phone line. 8833. The Temper Bedpost text machine. The lads are back. Louis back from Sydney. He's been over there at the Sal GP who had plenty to say about that. There's plenty going on in the Sal GP. Hopefully we have a regatta taking place down here in the beautiful Littleton area in Christchurch. But a big good morning to the team up there in Auckland. you got Joe B, you got Aroha, you got Robbie, and you got Louis, and you got Kempi still there in Kitty Kitty. How you doing, Kempi? Oh, Morena, brother. Yeah, I'm doing really well. Doing really well. I'm I'm sweating a bit. It's, uh, I don't know, <laughs> the, the, cy- the cyclone weather, it's crazy up here at the moment. It's so hot. Um, and, yep, it's still pretty dark outside. But it feels like it's like 28, 30 degrees where I'm sitting at the moment. So, um, yeah, and the worst thing, I put a T-shirt on today. I should have left a singlet on. But, mate, no, nah, I'm all good. I'm all good. Enjoying the, the um, I guess, the peace and quiet of the far north while, whilst uh, doing some mahi on the, on the tractors and the lawns. And I put a fence back together yesterday and... Um, yeah, you did nice, not. Nice. Oh, yeah, mate. Look, I've worked things out. Like, I'm, you know, not <laughs> that bad. I'm not that bad. But I put my head to something and think about it for a little while and work it out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's been good, mate. I'm I'm uh, heading back today. So I'm looking forward to coming back and catching up with the boys tomorrow in the studio. It's been, uh, they've been working hard, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks with what's been going on. And, um, yeah, mate, I really enjoyed seeing your. Papa Pete's video last night of the of the mahi that uh, your whānau and all the friends and that have been doing down there in the Hawke's Bay and man they've worked hard you know mm. they've just got out there and got stuck in and it's inspiring man like when I when I see what people have been doing and of course the socials have been blowing up with um, I guess a lot of people wanting to help and how they can help and even in my hometown you know of like Jared Martin he's a Hall of Famer softballer he uh, he put together a big van. One of, not, not just a normal little van, but a big van and just filled up with local community. Um, I, well, I'm going to say Koha, where they just, whatever the community could get, he put a social out and he said, I'll come around and pick it up. We'll fill our van up and he's going to drive it over to the Hawke's Bay. 
just to just to do his little bit because Hawks Bay is a massive, as you know, is he's a massive softball area. Um, mm. You know, a lot of the boys when I was playing would travel over with, when Chub Tungaro was playing and play in that competition because it was one of the best in New Zealand at the time. Uh, Raina Tawaki, I think, still lives there, or, or yeah, I know, I know, he, uh, married and was living over there. So, my just a big shout out to everyone that's that's got got. Uh, behind all this sort of stuff and uh, really putting in the mahi. It's uh, it's really inspiring. It truly is. Oh, it's actually probably, you know, one of the shining lights about being from New Zealand. Like, it just brings back memories from, from 2011 and the earthquakes, you know. Oh, ev- devastation that took place in 2011 down here in Christchurch. I was right in the centre, so I was right in the heart of it. It was crazy. The unknown, not knowing what was going on and just hearing little whispers here and there that a building's fallen over, but everyone just comes together. Like, they just band and they unite and they want to just do what's best and just take care of people, people they don't even know. You know, I remember sitting there in my house absolutely packing myself, you know, just a big bit of the unknown. I only just moved down. I actually moved down after the September earthquakes that took place in Christchurch and then February takes place. I was only here for two months. So I moved down into into the devastation. My landlord actually got a hold of us and said, look, I've prepared a, a devastation um, care package underneath the stairwell there and went under the stairs. He had water, he had canned food, he had a wind-up radio. So he had been prepared for this, which we hadn't, which was, mm. thank goodness he had it because it actually went a long way and it just... And then after that, I was sitting at home and I get a random knock on the door and this beautiful um, uh, Tongan family down in Christchurch, you know the name now, Punivais. They turn up to mm. my house, never knew them, didn't even know who they were. And the Punivais turned up, they lived in Pribbleton, they had f- power, they had food. And they uh, invited me and Daisy to go to their house, we stayed with them for a couple of days. And this is when Isaiah and um, Nani, were, we're still at high school, we're just starting high school. And they're already young kids, and now they've turned into super rugby players. And it's it's funny how the the world travels. But mate, just a beautiful family like that, just opening up their doors, and allowing um me and my uh, my wife Daisy to come along and just really you know get some comfort and and just happiness back into it because it's pretty devastating. So you hear stories like that of people just really banding together, coming together, opening their doors, and just lending a hand. Like I just had a message this morning from one of my good friends uh, up in Gisborne, his wife's from Pukitapu. So he's just up the road from my house. He says, oh, I've got a loader, two water blasters, 10,000 10, litres of water, a small digger. We're doing uh, Soph's old house till lunch and then another house, but we'll pop over to your house uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. Just out of the blue, and I said, oh, mate, honestly, you don't have to, but really, really appreciate it. So he's going to pop over. Mm. My family's had randoms from all walks of life just walking up the door, walking up the driveway. One person turned up. He says, hey, mate, I've got about 50 um, chick curries. In the... He works at a restaurant, obviously, in the yeah. restaurant, dropped off curries and all this food. And he says, oh, oh, we've got heaps of food. He goes, bro, just take it. See, they just took all this food. Like people just walking in off the street. It's so... Unbelievable. But the thing is, now lads, Louis, I'll, I'll come to you straight away because, like, right now, there's a bit of a predicament around around the country. Like, cost of living is crazy. Cost of living is crazy. I was reading a story about a family in Whitehall who's lost everything. He's, they're homing their young um, mm. grandkids, 
you know, given them a home, they've just bought them beds, they've just bought them couches, and then it's all been washed away and devastated, and they can't afford insurance. Now, there's the same predicament around the country with many families, including my family, with insurance. Like They didn't have insurance at my house, and the whole bottom floor's gone. It's had to be ripped out, and all the wiring's gone, and everything's gone. So it really just hits home that the devastation from this um, cycling is going to be just huge. It'll be devastating. And like people like my family, that they have no insurance. They haven't got anything. And it's going to take a hell of a long, long, long time to get through this. And we aren't sure if the government's going to come through with any assistance. But it just really hits home the, the damage that has been caused. But the other side of it is the people that come together and band together and get through this um, this tough time. And that's why I love being a Kiwi, mate, that we just we just get it, get off our bums and get shit done and absolutely love it. So crazy times, Louis. Yeah, no, it is. It's morning, boys. So good to be back. A little bit groggy this morning. Um, but the, you're, you're so right. I just 13 billion, like, the, that's the... Mm. the job ahead as far as financial and that's rivals the Christchurch kind of immediate clean up as well and that's kind of the that's only the infrastructure side of it and kind of the, the widespread damage um, Shannon got back from Hawke's Bay last night so I'll give Shannon a mass shout, massive shout out she's just done seven days hard yeah. work up there and she Did was a, a bit of job, an emotional man. wreck a wee bit she was kind of like she's she's spoken to families that have lost everything she's interviewed for um, her new job at Stuff she's interviewed brothers that thought that they were dead and never going to, you know, she, it was quite amazing hearing her tell her stories to me last night. And last yesterday she went up in the New Zealand defense force helicopter and got a view from above. And, uh, like she doesn't, she's not a great exaggerator. Like I am like, you know, blokes love to lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> she just said, I cannot explain how cooked it looks from up there. Like it is just the amount of silt, the amount of like riverbeds that have been exploded just to go kilometres wide, it, it's so hard to wrap your head around. And you're so right, Izzy. Like, I worry about people in this cl- financial climate. Like, I know it's it's inflation's going to get out of control. What this is going to you you guys touched on it. You actually were the first people that made me think about it last week about the kind of province it is, food and, and horticulture, and what that might do to our economy, Kimpy. Like, it, there are ripple on effects that are going to go far and wide here, eh? Hundred percent, you know, like um, it'll it'll really hit home in a, in a month or so. When I saw one uh, social last night of a hill that came down through an orchard, and then another one where an uh, uh, agricultural farm was completely flattened, like a like a the tide had come in and just taken the whole agricultural farm out and. On a seat, well, you know, as we know, people head over to the East Coast, the fruit pickers. I was going to do it when I was well, 17 at the time mm. um, and spend the summer over there fruit picking and stuff like that. So now we've got all that devastation over there. The other part of it is um, employment. Now, there's nothing for people to do. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have that, that lack of income come in. And the, the, the 13 billion that you mentioned, yeah, man, it's, it's going to be pretty tough times uh, ahead over that East Cape side of things but like as he said you know get on with it Christchurch you know mm. look what look what the Christchurch people um, got We're on still got building done, it Kempe st- still <laughs> building it down there and you know the, I saw one of the politicians last night post up and say you know let's not 
let's learn from the Christchurch um, disaster and let's not take as long to, to rectify yeah. um, what's happened in the Hawks space. So, so true. I, I think people have just got on, got up and said, yeah, no, we, mm. need to, we need to crack on. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it for sure. It's going to take a big job. Yeah, 90% of our produce from there, the Bostocks area around Pukitapu, you got leader brand. I went to the supermarket yesterday, couldn't even buy a bloody um, coleslaw. This is none in the supermarket, so it's going to be a tough old time, but we'll get through it because that's what us Kiwis do. What do we got coming up on the show? Let's put some smiles on some dials, Kempi. Yeah, that's right. we still got to kick on here. Uh, breakfast with Izzy and Kempi coming up at 7. We're going to chat golf, and Grant Boone's going to talk about Lydia Coe's rise back to the top of the women's game. Then at 7.40, we'll go back to our mate Louie here and listen to some footage out of the sale GP and get a update on what's going on because we're heading down there very very shortly I can't wait to get back into Ōtutahi and go and visit the Dags after 8 we'll dial back the clock and talk Warriors and St Helens with World Cup um, challenge that win that they had on the weekend Phil Gould picked them to be declared at half time Penrith um, <laughs> but what a, what a different story full time and we're going to talk to Fra- Francis Malley old boy of both the Warriors and St Helens and then 8.40 we'll talk Super Rugby Rumours before the kickoff of the Crusaders tilt at the seven peak. Eh? You reckon they got it? Seven peak. That, lots more. Our normal catch up with Paulie Moati. And yes, plenty to chat out about this morning, uh, including giving away that $50 bonus bet to uh, who picked the, high, the, 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 the batter, the best batter. Who was it? Was it? I think who I was it? got it. Who got the closest? I think <laughs> well, we're going to have to find out from you just, Louis. He was, he's you just lead yourself in there, Kimpy, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it was the closest and I was, allowed to, I was allowed to play, so I sent my text in. So we'll see. Louis, no, Louis, Louis got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. On that, on that, we've got Sale GP hopefully taking place down here in Christchurch, and it's time for this. Can't wait question of the day. I'm actually really excited for this one because I reckon you guys are going to have some... I reckon you and Kempi, Izzy, will be able to go for ages on this knowing your uh, own careers where you've played sport in your lives. I reckon you guys are going to have some ripping stories for this. But you're right. I was in Sydney for Sale GP. We're going to chat about it a little bit later, about 20 to 8. We'll go into it. We'll play some audio about the damage. Um, you heard it in Aroha's news. Sounds like they're off the hook with WorkSafe Sydney after a, a pretty much a tornado ripped the base apart and the Canadian boat. Insane. Very crazy. But before that happened, the winds were already... like These boats were going about 95 kilometres on the water. We were on an island. You could see the chop... And they were just all flying at these pins trying to get there first. It was like elite sport, but it was terrifying. And I was sitting there thinking, gee, there wouldn't be many more extreme conditions sport goes on than this. So the can't wait question of the day, because everybody's got a story, whether it was playing rugby in Oxford in a minus two degree frost and scuffing your knees up real bad on what was pretty much concrete <laughs> Where and what is the most extreme weather you've played sport in? What is the most extreme weather you have played sport in? I know you guys have some great yarns here. Oh, I've got a couple. A couple of spring to my mind straight away. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing worse when you're a young fella. You get up and it's minus three and you're out there in the mud. And the mud is mud, but it's frozen. Oh, you had boots on? 
Oh, <laughs> no way. Bare feet, bandit. Let's go. <laughs> Couldn't afford boots back then. Now, I've got plenty of, plenty of memories. Well, double eight, double three, send your memories through, your stories. So those tough times as a young kid growing up, you know, running, throwing the ball around. Let us know. Oh, 800 150 on the Kennards High phone line. Be like Tim from Christchurch. He's given us a call. Been down in Christchurch, he would experience plenty. And no doubt, Kempi, you'll have a couple as well. So we'll come back and we'll react to that can't wait question of the day. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Yes, welcome back. It's 25 past six on a Tuesday, the 21st of February morning. Hope you're having a good morning so far. Couple of messages coming through. And the phone caller, Timmy from Christchurch, our can't wait question of the day. Sail GP experience was a crazy one on and off the water with Mother Nature flexing her muscles. What is the worst or most extreme weather you've played sport in? And Timmy, what have you got for us? Uh, well, growing up in Tiano, right down south, um, we had, uh, you know, we when we played rec games, we always had to go quite a long way. And likewise, when people came to, to play up. So we, we ended up playing in a place called Mossburn, which is like at the foot of the hill to the town of our basin, and it's, uh, it's a bit of a dark and dingy place at the best of times, so they had a surprise snowfall, and we already had, everyone had travelled there and billeted with us for the night, so we had no choice but to play, so all the cockies were out there spraying the lines in the field with the with what they call rattle, which is what you use to spray on sheep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, mate, what does that go like on your skin? Yeah, not so great. I think a couple of the kids got hypothermia, but, you know, the game's more important, oh, the right? good, Yeah, the game's more important. The good old days, Timmy, we've all got good memories that have come flooding back of when we had to just dig deep and go out and play at all costs, mate. We appreciate your call, Timmy, from Christchurch. You have a good day, mate. A couple of messages coming through, but, lads, I want to ask you, Kempi, you'd have a couple of ones come flooding oh, back from your Waitara days. What do you call Thousands. Well, never had shoes either, mate. Like playing footy on on frost with bare feet is pretty painful. Um, and it rains and and muddy down there when you're a kid. But like the story that comes to mind when you're telling me is we played a, we played a club called Dewsbury. I was playing for Castle. We played a club called Dewsbury in the first round of, round of the Challenge Cup, and that was a Wednesday night game, and it was bucketing down and, and sleet and snow. It was just one of the worst days ever. And we got the game and we're like, man, are they going to call the game off? Surely they're going to call the game off. And they didn't. And we had to get out there and play. And every time I went to, I was playing 5-8, I had Richie Blackmore, who was a Kiwi centre, and I had Richie Goddard, who was an English centre, on either side of me. And every time I went to pass them the ball, they were out of position. They were like too far back. <laughs> or they were running too far away from my pass, and we got to half-time, and I hadn't hit them with one ball. And the halfback was in the, the, the halfback. Tony Smith was an English halfback. He was in the shower with hot water on him because he was blue, and I was filthy, mate, because I knew what these two were doing, and they just didn't want the ball because they didn't want to get wet or dirty. <laughs> and I've teed off, mate. I've teed off. And we're losing at half-time 6-4 because I, I just keep getting tackled, you know. And I've just teed off and said, listen here, you two. If you don't take my first pass, the next one here, I'm walking off. And I'm going to pick that halfback up and I'm going to take him with me. Like that. And JJ, the coach, mate, he just looked at him and said, you yeah, boys better run, otherwise them two are walking off. Like that. We just got home, mate. It was one of the worst nights ever. Um, but yeah, oh. freezing, cold. There's plenty of them, mate. Playing in snow. Oh, they're going forever.
Oh, to be a back, eh? Oh, to be a back. <laughs> I've got one before I get to you, Louis. That just brings back memories come flooding back. Highlanders take on the Crusaders. Quarterfinal one down here in Christchurch in 2017. So there have been a lot of flooding around the country. And the Highlanders actually were meant to come Friday night. They couldn't get here till Saturday, so they had to come on the game day. And it was the, the whole of Orange Theory Stadium was underwater. And it was yuck. It was horrible. Anyway, I remember standing out there. And I'm playing wing, and I'm just going, I'm going blue as well. I'm turning into a Hollander. I'm blue because I haven't touched the ball. <laughs> I think I touched it once the whole game. And I just remember sitting there, standing there, and I was going, man, I'm so grateful we've got beautiful Fords that just roll their sleeves up <laughs> and just put in the may, put in the may. And I was just watching these Fords just go at it, just smashing each other, annihilating each other. We won that game. <laughs> and uh, I think I touched the ball once. So that's one. And then the other one was the All Blacks taking on Ireland in Christchurch. Always had to be in Christchurch. And I think it was about one degree. And I was playing fullback. And Dan Carter kicked the drop goal in the last couple of minutes to win it. That was probably the coldest game I've ever, ever played. Freezing. And this is someone that's, you know, got all the resources at his disposal. I'm wearing boots and bloody thermals and everything, and I was still freezing. So those are the two that come to mind for you, Louis. Oh, that's so good is because I remember both Kempe. Don't obviously uh, that's a. I'm sure somebody <laughs> out there will remember that back in the day. That that I rainy was like Black and, Ball Kempe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah oh, the pretty but the pretty boys in the back, the outside back say. That um that that Saturday in particular as you're talking about, we played Burnside, Rungara High School first team, we played Burnside at Burnside and it was just a miserable day in Christchurch. When you were talking when mm-hmm. the, in the Ireland game, um it was just a miserable day in Christchurch. That was probably right up that actually go that makes me remember how cold it was that day. Just <laughs> out of North Canterbury, it's those frosts, it'll probably be the same in Waitata. Like, because you're coastal, it gets that like You can't that, get through it. The uh, grass, so the grass icy... stabs you when you run on it. It, <laughs> it is. You. You're crying by the. My dad used to make me run up to the shop, mate, to get some butter. You know what I mean? Get it some butter and some bread, and you'd look outside and it would just be white. And you go, mate, I got to run as fast as I can. And you get up there, your feet are numb. You're crying when you get asking for some butter. Can I have some butter, please? He goes, what's the matter? He goes, my feet are frozen. They're hurting. They're stinging. <laughs> there's a thousand of them. We went to Stratford one day, mate. I was good. went down there. There's high school playing playing for Taranaki Trolls. They had it in Stratford Racecourses, all places right underneath the the mountain. In the middle of winter, it was 44 feet of mud. And I remember running out there with my woolly socks on. They got they were you know with those woolly socks, they get heavy as anything. They go down over oh, your yeah. boots, underneath your boots, so you can't run. And I was half back, and I just looked at it. I wouldn't take the ball, mate. I wouldn't go anywhere near the Ford Pack. I just, <laughs> no, I was, I was a shoo-in for the Taranaki team. Didn't make it because <laughs> I didn't oh. want to get tackled. <laughs> oh, how good's that shower though? That stinging shower when you're washing it off. Oh, it's so good. It's so warm. There's a couple coming through in regards to tennis. Yes, if you're down here, uh cricket, uh golf. Sorry, not cricket. Golf. Uh, I remember playing the 36 golf tournament at Chisholm Park in Dunedin. 115-metre par three pitching wedge for the morning round. Then had a hit driver on the same hole in the afternoon. Could hardly stand in the wind. That is Tom from Pegasus. And another one here quickly from Ed. Under-15 Rugby League National Tournament. Played for Auckland v Wellington. And a thunderstorm in Greymouth. Complete 
complete with lightning. Next game played Canterbury and our field had turned into mud. Oh, the memories are coming flooding back. <laughs> yes, I've had to catch a high ball in a Norwester and there's nothing worse than that down here in Christchurch. Christchurch, you get about four seasons in one day. How good. Keep those messages coming through. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven on the Kennard's High phone line. We're going to hear from Aroha with the news for Kubota coming up. We've got headlines with Louis. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. SCNZ, we're 26 minutes away from 7 o'clock this morning, and uh, luckily down here in the 03 in Christchurch, we don't have to worry about any of those frosts today. It is a ripper. Uh, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. Let's get some sports headlines. And although I was just thinking, one thing that I didn't mention is, do you guys, did you do swimming sports? Swimming sports? Um, back in primary school? Leithfield Primary School had an outdoor pool, and it's still there, actually. But I remember, like, in, in a terrible <laughs> January or February's day, which you do get, obviously, they just, like making you get in the water no matter what. Not a heated pool. Like, pretty probably, like, eight degrees. Like, nah, get in the pool. Like, this is, you, this is your learning. Like, there's no there's no going back here. So that is another one that just sprung to mind. But quickly, a couple of sports headlines. And you'll both like this. Danny Lee is mm. joining the Live Tour. Thomas Peters, who's a really good player, Brendan Steele and Danny Lee are the latest signings that it sounds like is confirmed to head across to the Live Golf League. Uh, Thomas Peters is ranked 34th in the world, so that's a great coup. Danny Lee has slipped right down the leaderboard, but remember he has won on the PGA Tour, so that will still sting them. He's 259th in the world, but on his day, Danny can play a put, a put in a really good round. He missed the cut this week at Genesis, 36 hole, total of three over. That's what he's doing. Uh, in the Women's Cricket World Cup right now, well, India have qualified for the semi-finals with a five-run Duckworth-Lewis uh, win over Ireland. So that was a rain-affected um, match, but India are through to the semi-finals. And the White Ferns boys, for them to still miraculously make it, they need... South Africa to blow out and not win their last game, which would be pretty unlikely against Bangladesh. But at the same time, we know that South Africa and Cricket World Cups, they like to choke it up from time to time, Izzy. Those are your headlines. <laughs> Did you put... Who put that headline in there? Was that, was that Shannon? We hope South Africa choke. <laughs> there was a, it was something about choking on stuff. I was like, wow, that's oh. a headline and a half. <laughs> no, that's, that's, no, that's definitely no issue. That, see, that's what I mean. That'll be some bloke because that's, that's something a bloke would say, right? <laughs> yeah, 100%. I was like, wow, straight to the point. How good. Uh, we're hoping the white fans get up. But, man, if only they started a wee bit better in that competition. Just on the golf, is anyone watching the full swing? I haven't Netflix. seen it yet. Go and watch it. It is such a good watch. It's uh, the new Netflix show regarding golf and the following around all the players. Starts with Ricky, uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. You go through Joel Damon, the latest one I just watched. You've got Matt Fitzpatrick and he wins the US Open. Uh, what else we got in there? You've got uh, Brooks Kepka following Brooks Kepka and and his form struggles and just the the emotions of roller coaster of emotions that these golfers have to go through. You got Ian Poulter, get a good look at it. And it's really um gives you 
it just talks about the current situation with the LIV Golf and the PGA and what's going on there and all everyone making their stance and getting off with all this money. I can understand why Danny Lee's made the, made the switch. He's only got a three-tournament contract. He's got three chances to go over, and and if, if he doesn't do well, then he's not going to be accepted. So he's, he's making a bit of a – he's taking a bit of a risk here to, to head over to the, to the LIV Golf and have a crack at it. Because if he doesn't get that done, um, you know, the, the commissioner – Jay Monaghan has already said they'll be banned for life if they uh, if they do make the switch to the LOV. So, yep, he's running it, but he needs to do something because he hasn't won since the Grenadier Classic uh, all those years ago. He's a 2008 amateur winner as well, so he's got the talent, but he's just been slipping a wee bit. And I just want to say, lads, I just want to say, I tipped out. I tipped out John Rahm <laughs> last he week. Did. Brad from Dunedin, I know you're going to give us a call. Shortly, because Quizzy Dag's coming up, and you said I'm going to stop it. And you, Mark, you said, "Oh, thanks for stopping John Rum." <laughs> they hey. did too. Hey, do you remember that, Kempe? They I, said I, I was going to stop John Rum. I do. I'm quite happy to hand over the Oracle um, t- the title to you, Izzy Dag. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> no, it's no. yours. <laughs> I won't claim it. I won't claim. It. But get this: John Rum, first sixty days of 2023, top seven. And all five starts, three wins, 93 under par in 20 rounds, 67.1 scoring average, and he's beat or tied 601 players, 98.8%, lost to eight players, and he's earned 9 million big ones in the first 60 days of 2023. It is so good. John Rahm is absolutely flying at the moment. At the moment. So, Brad, there you go. Golf, eh? Who needs to go to LIV? Just give us your next one, lads. Give us your next one. Uh, okay, if I'm going to pick one for the US Open, which is a wee while away, I'm going to go Max Homer. I'm going to go Max Homer. He wins in LA. He loves playing in Los Angeles in California. He wins. And it's at LA Country Club, which is just up the road from where he started. And I think he What's is going great guns at the moment. Ah, uh, unsure. Have a look. Max Homer for the US Open. There you go. That is my pick. And I said to you last week, too, if you want a smoky, Colin Morikawa. Well, he was circling to the last day, and then he fell away and got, got shafted, as he tends to do. He finished with four birdies in the last round to make it a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> I, I love me golf. I love me golf. And I can't wait, because next week we got the New Zealand Golf Open down in Queenstown. And this is my favourite part of the year, but this is my favourite part of the show, Quizzy Dag, 0800-150-811 to take on the Quizmaster, me, the Ismaster, Kempe, the Oracle, well, if you get a little bit stuck, he'll help you out with a wee clue, so 0800-150-811, call now, $50 TAB bonus bet, up for grabs. This is how we do it, this is how we do it, Quizzy Dag can play it. Quizzy, that can play it. 0800 150 811. Now give us a call. The callers have called, and Brady from Dunedin. John Rahm, what do you reckon? Uh, not a bad bet. He makes more per <laughs> shot than I do in a fortnight, so. <laughs> I know, oh, mate. Oh, I know. Well, are you making six grand in a fortnight? No, absolutely not. Maybe 
quarter of that <laughs> if I'm if I've done like twenty hours overtime. <laughs> Beauty, mate. What a what a bet. Five dollars seventy-five though, so you're short in terms of golf. But anyway, hopefully some of you's got on because you got your paid. Anyway, Brad, good luck today, mate. Quizzy Dag, which venue is playing host to the second Black Caps test against England? Uh, it's at the Basin, isn't it? It's at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. Correct. Question number two. Who is the defending New Zealand Golf Open champion? Oh, good question. Oh. It was that long ago. Um, I don't know, Dan Hillier. Dan Hillier, no. It's not Dan Hillier. We'd love a Kiwi to win it. They won it for a wee while, but it wasn't Dan Hillier. Have a good day, mate. Mark from Tauranga. What size are you? Uh, 11 and a half, thanks. Is he a great chat for you, boys? <laughs> oh, lucky we didn't uh, say anything inappropriate anyway. Anyway, Mark from Tauranga. Question, num- <laughs> question number two. Who is the defending his own golf open champion? You don't Google. Yeah, I, I thought it was Brad Kennedy, but I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Brad Kennedy is correct. Google this mark is on fire. Here we go. Question number three. On the road to the Women's Football World Cup, what two teams have the football ferns lost to in four days, in the last four days? Oh, geez, I've got no idea, lads. All right, see ya. <laughs> See you later, Mark. Have a good day, mate. Lammy from Palmy North. Oh, Are we weather update? I'm heading to Palmy shortly. What's the weather like, mate? It's raining, brother. Raining oh, for you. Beautiful. Fine hey, did you not listen to your sister or your cousin the other day? Don't be mean. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my, my, my partner got on the bandwagon the other day, too. She goes, Here they go. What's going on? Well, no, you, you, you go. She actually, she actually Googled you. Well, he was, she said, well, he's a handsome man. I went, hey, he's ugly. <laughs> oh, man, going, oh, my God. Oh, I, better not, anyway. uh, I better not let you know where I'm standing, eh? Otherwise, you might bloody come and clip me around the ears. Anyway, question number three. Enjoy. On the road to the Women's Football World Cup, what two teams have the football ferns lost in the last four days? Oh, I know one's Argentina, and the yep. other one I don't know. But can you give me a clue, um, Kimpy, please? Uh, yep. Uh, it's the second best player in the world. Oh, Portugal. Portugal is correct. Good clue, Kimpy. Great clue. Question number four. Which NBA star scored a record-breaking 55 points in the All-Star game yesterday? Oh, there was, uh, is it Tatum? Jason, is it Jason Tatum? Or... Yeah, Jason Tatum Team is Gordy. correct. There he is. Question number five to win it. What shirt number was was Wayne Gretzky's famous for wearing? Can I have another clue, Timmy? No. no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Three. Thirty. Two. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Ooh, 30 later. Oh, see ya. <laughs> Daryl. Here you go, Daryl. Hey, guys. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Appreciate your call. What shirt number was Wayne Gretzky famous for wearing? Uh, 
wouldn't have a clue myself, mate, but I'll never guess. Uh, 31. 31 is incorrect. Sorry, Daryl. You have a good day, mate. We're going to go to Simon from Auckland. How are you doing, Simon? Good, thank you. Is he? What shirt number was Wayne Gretzky famous for wearing? 99. 99 is correct. Wayne Gretzky, the great ice hockey player from the United States. Hey, well done, mate. Thanks so much for your call. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow for another part of Quizzy Dag and Kempi. Oh, he's got some good clues. Great clue, Kempi, on Portugal. Love that one. Second best. Hmm. That'll go down to be debated for a very, very long time. We'll go away and we'll come back with some Love Racing update. Nearly 7am here this morning. Uh, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Great to be back with the boys. Uh, I was doing a different kind of racing over the weekend, Sale GP. I got one day of racing in and we can talk a bit more about that um, before 8 o'clock. But I did miss out on a great day of thoroughbred action at Pukakai with the Avondale Guineas and Avondale Cup on and um, look this Aquacade she is a proper staying mare and she is going to well I, I think I said it last week she's going to be so hard to beat in the Auckland Cup and I'm quite excited to see what she can do I wonder if a tilted Australia's on the cards for her but loveracing.nz your home for everything thoroughbred action again I'll leave the tipping this week to Kempe and tomorrow we've got a big day at Pukakoi so we'll be able to go through the form and maybe lob a couple out there We've actually got thoroughbred action every day this week right the way through to Saturday. So we've got Pukakoi, then we've got Wanganui, Rickenin on Friday, then Saturday, Matamata for the Matamata Slipper. This is such a good day at Matamata. And the Otaki races, they have their feature day with the uh, Group 1 over the mile down there, the El Chico cars. And this race is going to be an absolute ripper because La Creek, Wild Night, Levante are all heading to take on the mile at Otaki Racing Club this Saturday. And uh, it's going to be an absolute doozy of a mile race because Otaki is actually a really underrated track. It plays really fair. Uh, You're going to get these um, nice ones that like the mile really winding up. And in, in particular, La Creek, who's second up here, she'll be getting fitter. I'm just a hopeful that maybe her first run didn't take it out of her, but La Creek versus Levante, add in the three-year-old Wild Knight. This is a doozy, and we see Tokyo Tycoon back at Matamata for the Matamata Slipper. So, um, so much good racing this weekend on Saturday. And then we're only one week out from Derby Day, which is at Tarapa this year round. So massive action of thoroughbred, a massive week of thoroughbred action coming up, including Pukakoi tomorrow where Kempi will have his nose in the form book, no doubt. Beautiful. Looking forward to the Oracle coming through and uh, maybe tipping a couple of our, our listeners into a couple of winners coming up this week. That was our Love Racing update. Thank you, Louis Hume. What we got? Grant Boone, a shoot golf commentator from the US to talk all things golf shortly. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. We'll be talking all things sport. And here he is coming up. Yes, I knew I said it wrong. I knew I said it wrong. That's why I said it apprehensively. Wayne Gretzky, 
It's from Canada, not the United States. There you go. Someone to correct me, Mark from Sydney. Thanks for that. Appreciate that, mate. I said it and I was like, I'm sure he's from Canada, but anyway, I've said it already. Can't take it back when you're live on radio. Appreciate that we update. We're talking all things sport. We've got a big hour ahead of us. We're going to be talking Sal GP. We're talking golf. And then we've got Francis Melly coming up after 8 o'clock as well. The former Warrior in St. Helens rugby league player. And we'll have a chat to him and catch up with the big flying winger. Everyone has memories of that man running around for the Warriors. Can be on the outside scoring tries. Willie Nilly, the big man. What a get. Five against Canterbury. Remember that? On our run to the finals. Oh, he could play, mate. Played plenty of times for New Zealand. Played a lot of his best football up at St. Helens as well. So um, he's doing some really good work too now. He's back in coaching in schools and uh, enjoying his coaching journey. He wants to be a, a head coach of an NRL one day. So uh, we'll talk to him a little bit about that too. But he must be over the moon at St. Helens. Uh, I guess stuck the proverbial um, back up full Gould when he said that Penrith will declare at half time in that game, and the Panthers uh, probably showed us a little bit about what's going to happen this year without uh, Curacao and Kikau. That big left edge, uh, the left edge was average, mate, with no big uh, giant Kenworth truck running through the, the edge. So it's uh, an interesting year coming up for Penrith, but you don't see them lose too many, and to lose to an English team down here in Australia, uh, that's a big scalp for St Helens. Yeah, it is. And it's some interesting time for the Warriors, too. I want to get uh, pick your brain in, reg- in regards to the Warriors because Webster come out and said some of them played themselves into position, but some of them just left them with them scratching his head in terms of selections. And uh, Metcalf, well, he's out for a couple of weeks with a calf strain, so they're going to have to make that false change. And also I want to ask you about the fullback role with a chance, Nicol Clos. I thought he was great. I thought he was very good in the air. But I just think there was a couple of times where he could have held the ball and tacked the line and drew in that defender and uh, really got them, uh, you know, kind of set to, to consider him a threat anyway when he had the ball in hand. Uh, well, it's time to talk some golf. 2022 was arguably the best year in recent memory to be a Kiwi golf fan. A big reason for that was Lydia Coe's ascendancy back to the top of the women's game. After taking a break over summer to check a couple of life goals off, including getting married, Coe has returned to reassert her dominance, winning the Saudi ladies international against some stiff competition. Grant Boone is a golf announcer over in the US and he joins us this morning to talk about the marvel that is Lilia Coe and the world of golf. Grant, how you doing, mate? Izzy, Kempy, she is a marvel, isn't she? <laughs> she is a marvel. You, you you think when she finished, she'll go away. She's recently married. She's come back, and she looks like she hasn't even left the game. She hasn't taken any sort of break, mate. Were you surprised with her straight off the honeymoon out there to win the tournament? Like, wouldn't wouldn't it have been ex- expected if she had gained, like, 20 pounds, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, you've just come off a honeymoon. You've been enjoying life. You know, that's what I would have looked like if it were me. Um, but then again, I think if we know anything by now that uh, Lydia Co and I are not much alike. She is she is uh, incredible. Uh, and I think this is an important win uh, because what it says is, I mean, every win's important and every win is is hard to get. But I think this just signals, look, I got married. 
it was awesome. It is awesome. And, uh, and that was something that's deeply important to me. But when I come back to play golf, I'm not just here to show up and say, Hey, look at my, uh, you know, wedding <laughs> photos, everybody. Uh, it's I'm here to win. And, uh, she and Tiger Woods, uh, do it in such a different kind of way. He had the ultimate game face. She looks like she's just out for a stroll in the park, and and yet they wind up doing the same kinds of things, don't they? Hey, Grant, you know, you know what they say, happy wife, happy golfing life. She's uh, obviously very, very happy at the moment picking up that. They don't say that. Be. That check will, I'll bet you. I've heard that before. I've heard it before in, in his defense. Can you say that to Mate, my wife, please? <laughs> Yeah, that's right, gonna, yeah. I'm just going to ask you a question. This is left field. Can you see, with Lydia Ko and the way that she's playing, can you see the woman being offered live contracts? I could. I, I really could. In fact, um, there is speculation among those of us who, who cover women's golf on a regular basis that if... Liv decided to create some type of a women's league, something that approximated what they do with um, with with men's golf. And let's say they wanted, let's say they wanted to do it exactly. Let's say they wanted to get forty eight uh, women. There are some who who think that they wouldn't have to probably even get to fifty in the top world in the world rankings before they found their forty eight. Um, and, and I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, I, I do know that there are a lot of, uh, women who, who play professional golf, who are the, the top players in the world who, who think deeply about this subject. They, they are aware of, uh, mm. what life is like for women in Saudi Arabia and how few rights they have compared to, uh, most other uh, developed countries. Uh, and, uh, and yet I also know that there are some who, who think, um, perhaps echoing some of the men, look, I, I don't understand politics. I don't know what's happening in Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to play golf. Uh, it, I, and, and I don't, I haven't heard Lydia, uh, talk about that much. I do know that she played in this event a couple of years ago when it was played in, in, uh, you know, uh, she, you know, she wanted to, she won this event a couple of years ago. Um, and, and a lot of it, it had an elite feel. I'll put it this way, uh, just to give you some context. When Lydia won, uh, the tournament in Korea, the BMW ladies, which is an LPGA official event last October, I think, um, she got 43 world ranking points. I don't fully understand how all the points work. I'm just telling you, she earned 43 points. Yesterday for winning in Saudi Arabia, she earned 46 points. And, and even I know 46 is more than 43, even though I can't explain how uh, all the points uh, factor into their formula. The point is, it was a very, very, very strong field, uh, and she won it. Uh, I, I, I will be fascinated to see what happens uh, over the course of the year. I keep hearing that Liv is thinking about creating some type of a women's program. I don't know if they will or not. Uh, what I do know is, uh, women, women make very little money when it, uh, is in comparison to men. Uh, and, uh, some of that is capitalism. 
Uh, people want to see ratings and companies want to spend more if they think that more people will be watching. And historically, more people watch men's golf than they do women's golf. And some companies just say, then I want to spend my money in the event that's going to get more eyeballs on it. Um, and, uh, and, and in some cases, uh, there hasn't been enough coverage of women's golf. I think historically there hasn't been anywhere near as much coverage of women's golf as there is men's. Uh, and I think what would be fascinating would be to see if we put women's golf on, on in the same times as men have been put on, how many more people would watch? Definitely more would watch. I don't know how many more, but I know this. If everybody played golf the way Lydia Cole played it uh, and was the kind of, uh, you know, ambassador for the game that she is, a lot more people would be watching, men and women. In terms of the game of golf, Dave, uh, Grant, sorry, where, where do you see the game at, at the moment? Like, there's a lot of – I'm watching the Netflix series of, of – uh, full swing, absolutely loving yeah. it. And there's just so much distraction going on with the LIV and the PGA. So is the game of golf still in a strong position? I think it is. And and, and I think you look at it in a week like uh, the Genesis Invitational, you had Tiger Woods coming back, first time that you know he played uh, in an official event in months. It was the first time he made the cut and finished all four rounds since the Masters last year. Tiger at 47 years old is still the needle. You know, he's not, he doesn't move the needle. He is the needle, as they say. And, and yeah. whenever Tiger Woods is around and playing, people want to watch. But even aside from Tiger, John Rahm is playing at an elite level. Scotty Scheffler uh, isn't as dynamic a personality as Tiger Woods. Uh, he is just who he is. And who he is is a, is a really, really fine human being and an outstanding golfer and uh scotty scheffler's playing at a high level rory mcelroy has not only been playing at a high level winning tournaments all over the world uh but rory's also been very much uh the, the torchbearer for for the pga tour uh, even though he's from northern ireland of course uh he he very much wants the pga tour uh you know to 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 win this battle between live uh and um uh and the tour uh and and, and you know we're going to have what this week is the first live event down in mexico uh, it'll be interesting to see if 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 uh there are more people watching this week uh, the, the there haven't been an abundance of viewers for those events in part because they had they haven't yeah, i would say in some on some level it's similar to the LPGA uh, even worse than the LPGA in the sense that people haven't known where they can watch it. They have to go to YouTube. They have to go to a website. Uh, anytime you, like in the U.S., we have four major over-the-air broadcast networks, Fox, uh, NBC, CBS, ABC. Anytime any event is on a broadcast over-the-air, as we call it, network, more people will watch because even though we think everyone has a smart TV or everyone's watching on their phone or on cable, there are still people who are going to watch if it's on a big network more than they would if it's not. Uh, now they're not on a big network, but they are on a, an American uh, channel called the CW, which is a, a much smaller reach than the, the other networks. We'll see if that affects their ratings. Um, it, it, there will, you've got some great characters on, on in, in live golf, 
and you've got some tr tremendous players, including Cam Smith. I hate to give an Aussie too much credit on a on a New Zealand radio <laughs> station, but but Cam Smith is is we know a, an you. elite player. Uh, yeah, thank you. He's an elite player, uh, a good bloke by all accounts. Uh, and and I think just for some people, they look at uh, live and they see this is more just for fun. It's not high level. It, it's guys guaranteed money, uh, and, and there is some like you watch yesterday, Max Homa. Uh, a guy from California who grew up going to the to Riviera to watch that tournament, and and then he won it a couple of years ago, and he almost won it again yesterday. Then he broke down, and some people say, ah, that's an example of how men are too soft these days. And I think, well, I go back and I look at Jack Nicholas and other players from 50 years ago, and some of them cried after after events uh, because you pour yourself into this thing in any sporting event. You know, I, I I've seen. You know, you look at the All Blacks. You look at you look at uh, sports men and women all over the world. When you pour so much of yourself into something and then it ends, uh, whether you've won or you lost, sometimes the emotions come flooding out. I don't. That to me is a is more of a sign of of intensity than it is softness. Uh, I don't buy that at all. But but I ju I just look at live. Uh, I, I think for many people, even if they like those golfers, they might say, what exactly are we playing for? You know, uh, one of the reasons the Ryder Cup became so big in the last 30 years, uh, 40 years, let's say, is that for, for the first, uh, I think it started late tw 1920s and up until the, the early 1980s, they were rarely competitive. The U.S. would almost always win. Well, once the Europeans began winning, what happened? People became, first of all, the Americans got really angry that they suddenly weren't winning again, the American golfers, uh, and, and and all of a sudden tensions began to flare a little bit. You'd have some conflict uh, out on the golf course between the Europeans and the Americans. Why? Because the Europeans were taking something from the Americans that they had had all these years. They didn't want to lose. Uh, and, and people began paying attention when they felt like something was at stake. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't want to watch any great sports person compete anytime. It's just if you feel like they've poured something into it that's significant, maybe your interest is a little bit greater and maybe you want to watch a little more than you did before. I think that's why the PGA Tour, uh, you know, and, and the other historical tour, uh, the, the other uh, tours that have been around a little longer that do put something significant at stake besides money. Money's great, yeah. but if, if, if money's all there is, I'm not sure that's enough to get people to watch. We'll see. Yeah, I love it. I, I saw that on Max Homer's uh, in his emotions. You know, like a lot of these players, you know, particularly with LOV, they go, they play for a lot of money over there, and they're getting paid anyway, but it just shows that he had real intent and he really wanted to win. We're going to tap back because we're we'll get, we want to talk about our very own Lydia Ko and, and what's left for Lydia Ko and what she can achieve in, the, in this calendar year, mate. Well, what are you predicting? If Lydia Ko doesn't win, oh, I'm, I'm catching myself in mid-sentence because it is fool's gold to try to... Uh, it's foolish in general to just try to predict who's going to win a golf tournament. She's making it easier, uh, but by the way she's playing, she's won three of her last four starts around the world. I would just say uh, it, it's incredible to think that Lydia Ko has not won a major championship since 2016. I think there is an explanation for that. 
She won one in 2015. She was the youngest ever to win a major. She won one in 2016. And then at the end of 2016, she began making some changes. She didn't win again until 2018 and then didn't win again until 2021 on the LPGA Tour. At the time when she was becoming 18, 19, 20, 21, uh, she was going through some swing changes, some other changes uh, in equipment. And uh, that's, I would say that's the main reason she didn't. She wasn't winning a lot anywhere. And therefore, to think that she uh, would win a major, it, it would be less expected. Now, you go back to the end of 2021, she won in Saudi. Then beginning of 2022, she won on the LPGA Tour. Then at the end of 2022, she won a couple of more times on the LPGA Tour. Now she's won again. This is the most that Lydia Ko has won in a compressed amount of time since 2016. What did she do that year? She won a major championship. I'm telling you right now, Come on. Lydia Ko wins Come at, on. Least, at least a major championship this year. And... Uh, you get five on the ladies tour. There, there are five LPGA majors. I think it's more likely she wins two than she wins none. How about that? Oh, are you here we go. This? Are you recording I, this? We, do you know what? I'm just sitting here in awe. I'm a golf fan. I've watched plenty of golf, and I just actually can't quite believe I'm talking to one of the voices of golf around the country, around the world. We really appreciate your time, Grant. That that tone will resonate yeah. with many of our listeners at home. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Grant. Let me tell you something. If she keeps winning at this rate, you're going to have to put my name on the show, Izzy and Kempi and Booney. Uh, because because <laughs> I'm going to be on it. every day, just about. <laughs> <laughs> we will do that. We will do that, Booney. Thank you so cheers much for you your both. time this morning. You take care, Izzy mate. And keep Kempe, up the great cheers, work. Cheers, cheers. Thank you. Thank you, guys. There he is. Crap, Boom. Dude. Holy. How do, we, how, do we, how do we follow that up, Kimpy? You ready? Mate, you can't. I was just sitting here going, mate, let's just have this guy talk for the, for the whole show. <laughs> he the can talk for three, three hours. And the knowledge and just the, knowledge. the sense, the total sense he makes is so good. And I, was, honestly, I'm fanboying hard because I love golf. <laughs> and when he comes on, you're just thinking, Man, that is the voice of golf, and he's on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. It is so go. good. Good get, lads. Honestly, love your work. Keep up the great mahi. I hope you enjoyed that. Grant Boone, U.S. commentator, talking all things LPGA and a little bit of live golf there as well and what in terms of where golf is at at the moment. we got off the back fence coming up. I'm unsure if there's enough time for that, but we'll wait and see. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. with Tony Kemp. We're two weeks out from the season kicking off and the Warriors have shared both a bitter and sweet game day experience after their two trial games against the West Tigers and Craig Bellamy's Melbourne Storm. Well, my honest opinion will be reserved for at least another eight weeks. We have had glimpses of the new and the old in both of their outings. Let's get the old out of the way first. Missed tackles, poor kicking options, and more errors than any coach would like have even the optimist concerned that we have another tough year coming up. But hang on, the week before, we saw enough from the young guard to say that at least our future talent looks bright. So what next for Andrew Webster? Considering that these were only trials, I would like to think that the review of the Melbourne game will have a number of people sweating come round one. Perform or be replaced? 
And given that the Young Brigade showed up against the Tigers, I'm hoping that this wake-up call against Melbourne is exactly what the Warriors need heading into the kickoff against my old team, the Newcastle Knights. So in eight weeks, what will we get? Pleasure or more pain? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Oh, plenty to talk about there, Kempy, and there's just not enough time right now. And we've got some headlines coming up with Louis, and we'll get those uh, going, and then we'll get here from Aroha as well, and we'll come back to react to that off the back fence in terms, in regards to the Warriors. Week one, wah, outstanding. Maybe our year, week two, well, too many errors, too many missed tackles, and too many incompleted sets at 63%. So plenty to debate. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ 28 minutes away from 8am this morning. Hope your Tuesday is going super. Plenty coming up, including a full sale GP debrief and Francis Malley, the legend, after 8 o'clock. And I'll get it to your text in just a second, Marshy. Here's a couple of quick headlines, boys, with Kennard's Hire. Making your job easy, kennards.co.nz. Well, India are through to the Women's World Cup semi-finals and Susie Bates after putting it all together in a huge knock reflected for New Zealand that the White Ferns about how disappointing it had been to those big losses and how she managed to turn it all around. Yeah I was really flat um, after that second game knowing that was such a massive game in this tournament and you know how the team performed but also how I performed and I take pride in opening the bat and setting the tone at the top and I felt I hadn't done that so there was a tough day the day after and you know I had a hard look at myself and what I was going to bring for the rest of the tournament and just promised myself that I would play the style of cricket that this team needed me to play and but yeah it was tougher now that I say that it wasn't quite as easy as that and that first run against Bangladesh was a real relief. A hard look at ourselves or themselves is exactly what Marshy's wondering. Morena boys power back on last night a lot of Cutting and digging in last week. Marshy, great to hear from you, mate. So stoked that you're doing okay down there in the Hawks Bay. Sounds like the Black Caps were crap, eh? Yeah, they were pretty bad, Marshy. And Gary Steed kind of alluded to that, but they're going to persist. I don't think it's unfair to say that we, we are probably lacking a little bit of that confidence at the moment because you don't get the results. But I can assure you that the faith is still with this group of guys. We believe these are our best cricketers. Now... That sounds to me like they're not going to ring the changes, despite Matt, Matt Henry back is, in, is back in the camp after giving birth to his first kid. Uh, congratulations to him and Holly, but he'll probably come back in. It doesn't sound like the batting changes are going to be rolled throughout Marshy, so could be a similar result unless they find something magical. Those are your sports headlines. Izzy, you want to talk some rugby league? Yeah, we've got some rugby league coming up. Just regards to the Black Caps, yeah, they got rid of Jacob Duffy. Anish Sodi, they got replaced. They went back uh, to their domestic duties, which is crazy, really. We had Kyle Mills on yesterday, and he was talking about maybe Jacob Duffy, his ability to shape the ball, put it into good areas, and maybe test them there. I just thought Kugelein and Tickner, very similar bowlers, and that seems Neil Wagner. Um, you know, they bowl, it, they bowl with a little bit of heat, but the ability to not move the ball might uh, cost them. So, interesting. But, hey, we've got to rally around this team that's lacking so much confidence at the moment, and it's a tough 
I'll get. But yeah, Kempi, off the back fence in regard to the Warriors. There was some shining lights week one. Week two, I thought very, very disappointing. Obviously, the halves with the changes. You had Metcalf and Martin, Tamari Martin in the first outing against the Tigers. Then you had Volkman and Johnson in the second outing. You had Nickel Klogstad getting an opportunity at the back. You had Marata Nikore, who was very, very good in the middles. And you got Watani Zelezniak obviously going on judiciary, so he might miss a couple of weeks. But uh, plenty of takeaways from that match, in particular our halving areas. I, I just, yeah, it was pretty um, pole opposites, really, from, from week one mm. to week two. Your ability to control the game, the lack of completion errors. Does that come down to, to all the changes and maybe lack of time? With the combinations, is it mindset? What can you put that down to when you're missing 57 tackles, 16 errors with the 63% completion rate? Not ideal stats. No, they're not. You know, like that first 40 minutes where they kept them to zero, that Melbourne side was base, basically it was a, a, a knock-a-thon. You know, like no one could hold the ball. It was, I, I guess, pretty hot down in, down in Altatahi, down in Christchurch, and, and the ball was a bit, you know, um, sweaty and slippery, and it was just popping out in unusual circumstances. So you could you give a little bit of leeway with that, but missing 55 tackles when you haven't got the football, like that's unacceptable. I'm pretty sure you know 24 points miss, missing 55 tackles would be a a huge um, talking point. And trying to get that defensive structure right, you know, like unfortunately for Sean Johnson, a couple of those breaks that were made down the left edge were because of his positioning in and around Marker and, and Big Nelson Sifa Solomona targeting him when carrying the football and just going over the top of him. Um, wasn't a happy day at the office for Sean, you know, talking about how fit he was in the first off-season he's had for a while. I think with Metcalf especially and Tamari Martin, what I liked about the West Tigers game was that they were actually taking the ball to the line and, and unloading their uh, their runners on the outside. And I see Nickel Klockstad actually adding to that. I know that the young fullback Tane went quite well that in that game against West Tigers, but you know when you add clocks there to it, and he was very good under the high ball. Um, I think his running game will will become better as the season gets on. Because you remember he's only joined us two weeks after Christmas, so he's had the World Cup mm. and so on. And then you got Nakori. I thought him and Barnett were okay. Um, yeah, the. I think we're still missing some big guys in the middle. I think that's basically... If you can't win the middle of the pitch, it's really simple. We we don't have the the hooking stock. Um, we can't If we can't win the middle of the pitch, then everything else behind it, everyone knows and every coach will tell you, it just becomes so much harder. So um, I think if, if he had to make a choice, you know, Andrew Webster, and, and I know that... Uh, one of the boys has got, you know, uh, Metcalf, a, a hamstring injury, could be out for eight weeks. You know, I'm, I think the writing's on the wall around the halves that he's he's thinking seriously about who's going to lead this team around the pitch. So uh, we'll definitely see what happens in the first five weeks. Um, is he, that's why I said, you know, it could be pleasure or pain. We could find ourselves, you know, not starting the season so well and then, then Webby gets us forced upon him, but... You know, hopefully, hopefully we learn from this Melbourne game. I think the timing of it happening and getting a bit of a tallying up like that in the second half is really good um, ammo to take into the first game. I don't see them losing the first game in Wellington against Newcastle. Yeah, hopefully they can get off to a good start, build some confidence in what Andrew Webster. I've got a lot of belief in Andrew Webster and what he's about. He's 
delivering the right messages. He's not shying away from the hard conversations. And just in terms of the defence, like the defence has been lacking for a couple of years now. And you look at 57 missed tackles in that performance. Is it a structure thing? Is it a is it a defensive um, errors making poor reads? Is it a individual situation now with not putting your place and getting your body position in right positions? What what is it? Can be like a, a lot of talk about Justin Morgan whether he is the right man to take this defensive for, defensive unit forward. But when you're missing fifty seven tackles, you can't just blame that on the coach. Like that, that's individual errors, isn't it? Oh yeah, hundred percent. You know. The, the other part, too, which I noticed in the game is the slowing down of the, the ruck. So they've brought in um, Kai Cutter France to, to help with the wrestle and this new 10-metre rule where the players are getting back and they're getting on the front foot teams and they're rolling up the pitch. So, um, you know, you've, when you've got players, you know it when you're defending, you've got players and you're on the back foot and your feet are clo- too close together, you're quite easy to go past. So if you're not coming forward at them and getting off your line, like St. Helens were, for instance, doing against Penrith, they were just nullifying them, you know. And I think that discrepancy in and around the refereeing is something that we're going to have to put up with for the first five or six weeks. So, uh, but if they get caught at marker, and, and again that middle of that, which is where they got caught, they got caught in the middle of the pitch um, more often before they went wide. Then we've got some some serious troubles in our defensive line again. But I wouldn't be happy with leading in twenty four points in a trial match when you when you're gone at a half time with, with uh, none being scored. Because all those yeah, points, as he was scored in the second half. Yeah, second half points, accountability needs to be spoken about. And uh, I want to hear from you, double eight, double three. There's a lot of selection debates for Andrew Webster with Metcalf going down injured and maybe Watani Zalesniak, um, you know, out for a wee while with judiciary. There's going to be a lot of debate. Who takes over the halves? I want to hear from you, double eight, double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine. Let us know your thoughts. Is it just the riding on the wall to Mighty Martin and Sean Johnson taking this Warriors team forward? Love to hear from you. We're going to shoot off. We're going to come back and we're going to have a little catch-up with Louis. Plenty to talk about in the Sale GP. Yes, the action-packed global Sale GP is coming to Christchurch, and that is still correct despite a very chaotic event in Sydney where some serious damage was caused to at least one boat then the wings of a lot of others were uh, destroyed as well. Winds in Sydney got out of control and became incredibly dangerous just as they were craning the Canadian boat out of the water, which eventually became like a kite smashing through a lot of the tech base and making what became a scene from some action movie. Here's the sale GP CEO, Russell Coots, talking about the incident. Well, you know, it was. It looked like, uh, you know, judging by the weather data, it was a pretty extreme event. Meaning that uh, the winds, the wind gust that came through, uh, was almost hurricane strength. So there's a lot of um, technology and, and you know componentry that goes into these wings, and and right now the team is assessing how best to, um, you know, get at least the 24-metre and 18-metre configuration back on the water for Christchurch um, with the majority of teams. The good news is that it looks like uh, we'll be able to proceed with the event or the next events in Christchurch and in San Francisco, albeit with uh, one or two um, uh, changes or or compromises, but by and large um, we'll be able to proceed with those events. So that's the good news. Yeah, there's plenty going on. You can tell how shaken even the great Sir Russell Coutts was. And as the Canadians' boat became some nautical wrecking ball, the Canadian team were doing everything in their power alongside the Sail GP tech base managers to keep it under control. It was a frightening scene for all, 
and it clearly shook the Canadian team. Here is their driver, a familiar voice to us here in NZ, Phil Robinson. Look, I think we're just thankful that everyone is is okay and there were no sort of severe injuries and I think to escape that is a, is a pretty uh, a good place to be. Yeah, look, I, we're obviously very involved, everyone within our team. It was a, a serious situation of trying to get the wing out before the storm arrived and unfortunately it came sort of at a time which wasn't op- ideal and yeah we, we had to scramble and um, I, was, I was impressed by the amount of people that actually came to help and uh, we had members from other teams and obviously a lot of the, the Sail GP tech team involved as well in trying to secure the wing and platform and and get it down without any any incidents and uh, the situation obviously escalated a bit with the breeze and it was some of the most wind I've probably ever seen in my life so yeah it was a, a pretty real situation. How we handled the situation when it escalated was quite incredible and it could have been a lot worse than what it was and I think we have worked as a sail GP as an organisation I think we, we did a pretty good job there. Yeah there's no obviously no way you can avoid a natural disaster we know that more than anyone right now here in Aotearoa but questions are going to have to be asked internally about the processes and how to manage these boats and high winds during the sailing but also just operationally moving them from point to point remember we're talking about tens of millions of dollars in tech and time that have been built into the fleet and Jimmy Spittle who is the helmsman for the United States spoke about what they can take away from this terrifying situation. Originally I went and helped the lads with the Aussie wing that was up and we, we managed to get that down and then quickly the attention turned to Team Canada. And so yeah, it was just an all hands on deck trying to maintain, you know, the wing, stabilize it and then ultimately we, you know, Mother Nature won. I don't think anyone was probably expecting it to go as bad as an extreme as it did, the conditions. But look, it's something that we've all got to learn from now collectively. Uh, I think we've got a great bunch of people here in the teams and also in the tech group as well. So we've just got to make sure we learn the lessons and we move forwards uh, because it's, as we've seen, it's, it's an incredible competition we've got here. There are going to be challenges as we go forward, but the important thing is, is to take the lessons and, and grow as a league. All my years racing, I would say Sail GP's got the best morale I've ever seen. You know, typically it becomes real cutthroat. It doesn't mean that the racing on the water isn't cutthroat and we really want to, you know, beat the other person. But when you come ashore, it is, yeah, the best atmosphere I've seen. And I think because we're doing something that's never been done before in terms of the speeds and this sort of level of competition, we're all really open and we all want to see this succeed. So, yeah, if there's any point where there could be some sort of an issue, you'll just see everyone unite and we'll all come together and just solve the issue or help if that's needed. Crazy, but Jimmy is right. They'll learn so much from this. And just to confirm, it might have seemed very unlikely in the middle of this windstorm with the Canadian boat hurtling through the base causing destruction. But sailing looks like it'll be able to go ahead on time at the Littleton event next month. Here's Pete Burling. Always pretty confident that the tech team will be able to turn around, around the boats in time. Um, yeah, there might be some limitations as to you know what configurations we can run but you know for us as a team we're, we're just going to prepare as best we can uh you know we've taken a whole heap at it today and you know hopefully have the boat uh in, in one piece and performing the way it should uh, throughout the whole racing and uh, it's just going to be it's an amazing part of the world it's something we've waited a long time to have a home event and you now we're really looking forward to, to finally uh, seeing SailGP get to New Zealand. Wow plenty going on Louis what was the actual racing like on the water mate did you get to see oh. any? 
Oh, it's, it, that was insane, boys. Like, I'd never experienced wins that strong. I did. I got out on the to see the practice on the Friday, and we got real close to seeing how much... These things are flying machines. They're not boats. Mm. They're like planes that hover off the water. And then on the Saturday, like, the France won three races, which means that they're now breathing down New Zealand's neck for second on the ladder. Great Britain's only a couple back. New Zealand actually didn't seem to have that good of a time on the water. They they couldn't get comfortable in their boat, which was surprising because, as I was saying, like I, I really thought they were going to go great in the high winds. It puts so much pressure on this Littleton event because they're essentially... Well, there's three teams that are trying to jockey for two spots now. Australia's high up. They're going to be in San Fran no matter what. But if either Great Britain, New Zealand, or France, if one of them has an absolute howler and the other two go well, you know, and this is a you, you pretty much yeah, it's a unique event as we keep talking about three event, three teams into the final. It puts so much pressure on here. Um, yeah, it was a pretty crazy event all around and and very and, windy. And New Zealand struggled, eh, Louis? Like was that was there a reason behind that? Like was it the, the new boat or just struggled in that event? It might have been. It might have been just there might have been little little quirks with the boat that wasn't right. But um, we we didn't get to see them on the Sunday where we thought they would iron it iron it out. Mental weekend, boys, and all those drivers were clearly quite rattled. All right, now Sal GP is still going ahead. We'll get a wee update. Forty eight hours, Carl Budge, reference last night. We'll get to know more. But right now, it's all. Go. There's a couple of messages there on the temper bed post text machine double eight double three. We'll get through those shortly. Good morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ. It is a cracking day down here in Ōtetahi, Christchurch. I hope the sun is shining wherever you are. Louis, you've made your way down south, back home to the promised land. How's the tr- how's the move been, mate? You enjoy being home? Uh, yeah, I have. I haven't really... Well, I had about a week here. I had more than a... a Shannon did. She had two nights here and then got sent to Hawke's Bay. But we've been here. I, um... I tell you what, though. This building that I'm in, you've been in here, Izzy. I don't know if you've had the pleasure, Kempi. It is going to be 31 degrees today, and it was still cold this morning when I walked in here. I am absolutely terrified about winter. winter. Like, I I don't know if I'm going to make it through winter in this building. Any heating? Oh, oh, I don't, not that I've managed to uh, navigate, um, but yeah, that is good to be in the 03. Are Crusaders playing at home this weekend on Friday night? Is it? Is it a home? They game? are. They're I playing have to be Friday there. night. I'm going to head along. I'm going to take we Arlo, and that's right. Super Rugby kicks off this weekend. Chiefs taking on the Crusaders down here at Orange Serie Park. I'm going to take old little Arlo along, and maybe Tilly, I'll see how she feels. Otherwise, I'll leave her at home, but... Yeah, Friday afternoon, a great start to Super Rugby, and we're going to preview a bit more of that later on this week when we talk about it, because it's kicking off this weekend alongside Super Rugby Aupiki. So good to see rugby back, and on that, Rugby League is back in a couple of weeks' time as well. So I hope, oh, I'm hope i glad you're enjoying being home, Louis. It's great to have you back down here, back in the chosen land that is Christchurch. The weather has absolutely been beaming since I've got home from my summer break, so uh, it's been good to be able to rip into it. We're going to chat to Francis Malley shortly and uh, have a wee catch-up with him about what he's been up to these days. The try-scoring machine, he played for St. Helens. Over 200 games, Kempi scored a hell of a lot of tries, but in particular, my biggest memories was him running around on the outside for our very own New Zealand Warriors and scored try-scoring machine that he was. He scored a few. You coached him? 
Yeah, well, Franny, Franny was part of that 2001 um, team that we took over and brought in as a young um, a young winger, along with uh, the one the, the one and only Henry Falfili, whose uh, try celebrations went down in history. Um, and the two of them couldn't have been polar opposites to the way they, they played their game. Franny, a big six foot three, fast, and and would he was like a um, Steve Matto, you know, like shoot off the wing and put some hits on people. We used to use him as a back rower. I don't know if you remember that, but we'd get late into the game in the second half and the forwards, if we saw the forwards really struggling, we'd move them into the middle of the park and just throw him the football, mate, because his footwork was so good and he was big enough to play in the forwards and he'd destroy teams. So, um, yeah, good good Blake. Just a, a quick update, is he for you? Daniel Anderson, um, like I, I think I've told everyone here, Daniel Anderson had a a Christmas mishap on a beach over there with his nephew and he's been in the uh, hospital in Sydney and he's uh, he's on his way rec- back to recovering, trying to walk again. He had a, a neck injury and, and struggled and I got an update uh, two days ago actually. I'll be giving him a call this week. He's taking phone calls so hopefully he'll take one from me. Um, and he's doing okay. He's doing okay. He's uh, I, I just mentioned that because he also went from the Warriors to St. Helens. We would have got him on the phone if he was uh, able to able to take a call, but just an update that uh, Ando's going okay over there, and um, that's good. He's 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 making some progress, and and things are looking up for him. Yeah, that's good to hear, Kimpy. Pretty uh, devastating news out of Australia when Daniel Anderson got went through his wee injury. It's great to hear that he's making a wee comeback, and it's a long road ahead for for Daniel Anderson and his family. So our thoughts go out to them as well. Uh, Francis Melly, hopefully going to get him shortly, but we just had a message coming through from Ed Kempe in regard to the uh, the Warriors at the moment. Too much beach, beach muscles, Kempe's missed 40, 57 tackles back in our day. That's scared to tackle. My honest opinion, top tackler for Auckland, under 16 reps, got the trophy off the Chief that year, Tony Tomavave. That is from Ed. Uh, look, uh, you, you, put, you, you obviously take a lot out of preseason, but you can't take too much, and the selections is probably the biggest uh, decision making for Andrew Webster right now with the, with the Warriors, and we spoke about it earlier. And, and you know they, they're going to head down. They're going to head down to Mighty Martin, Sean Johnson. So which who plays in the seven jersey? Who plays in the, in the six jersey for for you? If that, that's the realistically ideal option, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I think I think Sean wears a seven, and Tamari wears the six. I don't think it makes a hell of a lot of difference, but I think uh, Tamari will be second receiver. But he will use the option if Sean doesn't take it far enough to the line to move Tamari back into that uh, first receiver and move Sean one more out. So um, it's a it's a real tough one for Webby because you know he's put all his faith in in Sean uh, leading the team around the pitch and and he struggled a little bit to do that on the weekend. Although it's only his first game, so and it's a troll and we're not getting carried away with that. But um, yeah, it really needs to, I guess. Have some have some big games early on, Sean, and really cement his position there because I, I I get the feeling that Webby will make changes. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping. Yeah, he will he'll have to. He's been forced to make some changes and, and to make some decisions that probably force his hand. But in terms of our halves, Kempi, in terms of our halves, what do we want to see from them? Like. For the last couple of years, you got Tamari Martin, you got Metcalf, and we had Zane come on yesterday, and he left the message: they're good players, but they're, they're probably lacking game, you know, like game sense, or, or just real taking a, the, the game by the, the scruff of his neck and really, 
you know, applying the halves, you know, and what they're able to do. Like kicking, and for instance, kicking, the kicking game is probably lacking in terms of the Warriors at the moment. And it's something that they probably really need to then. When you've got to relieve that pressure after that sixth tackle. Yeah, look, it was really interesting, Izzy, that you brought the kicking part up because I was watching the game on the weekend and it was I was saying to myself, you know, like, how much kicking practice are they doing? So, um, you know, it's one of the areas that you spend so much time on. I know Stace, I, I did a, num- a lot of kicking practice with him. Uh, hopefully Stace is doing that, mate, and he can get that sorted out because if we haven't got a kicking game, we're struggling. Yeah, we are. We are struggling. Louis? Oh, it's, it's it's the biggest part. And to be honest, when we used to go down and, and watch, when Sean Johnson was here the first time around, Kempe, I know you were always really frustrated about this because I remember you back in the radio sport days banging the drum. Uh, those kind of toothless, like let's say 15-meter chim- chip bombs to the corners, that they, they didn't go deep enough that you could pin them. They didn't give your wingers a chance to go and contest them. And they were just wasted positions, really. And there's nothing more frustrating than getting empty trips after the Ford's busting through the middle. And that's your six-tackle option. There's nothing more frustrating. And there must be nothing as, I guess, disheartening as a middle player when that you see that happen from your half. Well, the... the the number one, the number one advice that you give it to to a kicker and to the people that are chasing is that it has to be a fifty-fifty. You know, so if it's not a fifty-fifty kick and it's not a fifty-fifty chase, and you don't make it an, a, a, a competition, then your kick's not worth it. And there's a number of kicks that you choose before you put them down there. So it's a, it, it is a, a, it's a mindset. It takes a lot of practice. Uh, you have to know what kick to put in. I remember Wayne Smith coming to, coming to one of the, the kicking practices, you know what I mean? I was watching the All Blacks out at Silverdale one time, and I went there, and I was going, mate, that guy's, that's the, the leg drills that we were doing. You know, and he's gone and taken that and added to it, and that's where you went to the wings to kick. You know, I was te- saying, well, this is what we call a, this type of kick, and this is how we place it and get your hands in the right part of the football and stuff like that. When I was watching the game on the weekend, Louis, it doesn't look like they're, they're putting the effort in or the understanding of what how important a kick is. Yeah, just jump in there, Louis. Uh, just, just regards that, like everyone, no matter what number on your back... Uh, yeah, even Fords, you know, you got Crystal Murray for the Blackburns doing kicking. But, like, it doesn't matter what, what number on your back you had. You, everyone has to understand kick. Like, you, at the moment, I feel like they are relying a lot on the halves and the hookers. And, yes, that is probably their role. But it, you should be in the centres or you should be out somewhere that you could all be an option to be able to kick to relieve that pressure. And that'll take the pressure. When you've got multiple options for people that can relieve pressure – that will take the hell of a lot of pressure off your halves. Yes, there's probably going to be two or three passes in there, but when you're doing that, you're manipulating the defence as well, and you're, and you're having to restructure that backfield. So, yeah, I'd hope for, for more numbers to be able to kick in, in that. Okay, well, with that in mind, let, let me do a bit of a thought experiment for you and for everybody on 0800 The Kennards are fine. I double eight, double three. I reckon, I, I reckon I've got a name that I'll lob out, but I'm curious, especially you, Kempe. Francis Malley, uh, we can't catch him right now. He's unfortunately been tied up, but he would have been a great nomination. I'm curious, 2023 Warriors squad, there's a lot of hope. We think that there's a, a good amount of depth in the squad. Who is a warrior from old that you would cherry pick from any generation, any era of the club to drop in the 2023 squad to take them over the top and make them a top four team. Any warrior, any Easy. warrior of old. 
I know there's a pretty obvious option, Kempi, with this, yeah. just of what we've been talking about. I'll let you go. Oh, look, for me, I would, if I was to drop someone in there, and I think that Manly on the weekend showed how important it is to have big, wide running, fast, aggressive back rowers that just change defensive lines. Ali Lautiti's in my side. He's the number one pick. One hundred percent. I don't give it. You won't have to kick the ball if you put him out there because he just scores tries. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Lautiti. That'd be so good to just really clone someone. Well, they probably are. Elon Musk will probably clone someone and bring him back. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Lautiti. That's a good shout. Ah, look for one for me. Someone that I, I just loved watching. And he's not. He's he's only recent. He's only recent. I could go back and, and pick someone from back in the, the good old days, the Ch- Kevin Campion, you know, the two keys, those big boys in the, up in the middles that just eight metres and tackled all day. Uh, but for me, I want, I'd want love to see Jimmy Maloney back. James Maloney. I Jamie Maloney just, he bought yep. success, mate, and a hunger and desire to win at all costs. And he was tough, absolutely tough in the halves. So James Maloney would be the one for me, Louis. De- Bang on, Izzy. That's where I was going. That's where I thought, wondered until Kempe said he didn't need to kick because he's so, so true. You've got, you got the Michael Jordan out there. Uh, 0800 Who's the Warriors player from any generation you would cherry pick and drop into this team? Jimmy Maloney's just a winner, boys. What is it about some athletes? They're just winners. They just hey, win. Hey, Louis, just on, just on that, the kicking. You know, like the kicking, you're, you're only as, your kickers are only as good as the people around it that can make that kick. So when you're mm. like a good kicking coach coaches the team he doesn't coach the kicker so if you for instance you've got a, a drop punt and you're, you're playing AFL and you're kicking it down the right hand side you're coaching all of that right hand side your kick and where you want to where you want to put it and what they have to do to make it actually a great kick and that's the problem that's you, you see it when you're when you're watching tv and you're watching poor kicking coaches you're going he actually hasn't spoken to the team <laughs> yeah a kick is only as good as your chase, as Wayne Smith would always say. Put the ball up and turn that poor kick into a good kick. Chase hard and get up there and contest it. Love it. The Texas have come flooding through. There's some outstanding, legendary names coming through on the text machine. But the one and only Joe from Gizzy, he loves his Warriors, and he's got a few takeaways. How you doing, Joey? Yeah, morning, gentlemen. Morning, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah good. Thumbs up in Gizzy today, so... Uh... So we're back Beautiful. at it doing food boxes down to Wydal today, brother. Good work. Nice. Good mahi, brother. Good mahi. You're a Warriors fan. What are your takeaways from that preseason? What player would you drop straight into the side if you could? Mate, I already looked at uh, the debacle the other night that uh, was the Warriors preseason against the Storm. You see the Storm make mistakes, Kimby. You see the Warriors make mistakes. But you see the Storm make their tackles. You see the storm still coming together, right? You know, with their with their young players coming back in there, but they make tackles. We, I don't know what we're up to, right? Just looks like the Warriors of last year and the year before and the year before. I would bring back Michael Luck, and I would bring back Steve yes. Price. They'd be boys who have heart, who play 85 minutes. You know, they're playing five minutes before they get on the field. That's how fizzing they are. But they lead by example, Kempe, as you know. You follow a leader, and those gentlemen are 100% every day they turn up for, for training, every day they turn up for media, but more every day they turn up for the Warriors. And they're the people we need who don't miss tackles, who make 
50, 60, 70 tackles Michael Luck for his size, and people just follow him. And those hey, two gentlemen put the Warriors on the map every day. Hey, Joey, what is it that you, you know, because Michael Luck wasn't a, a great carrier of the football or, or stood out like a, a sore thumb. What is it that you like about him that you think the Warriors are missing? He's a heart. He's a heart. He doesn't. He didn't miss tackles. He wasn't a big man, and he wasn't a ball carrying back row like Ali. You know, but he ran off Ali's shoulder. He was on his shoulder every day if he was in the same squad, for example. But he had heart. He made his tackles. He didn't miss a tackle. That man. You know, same as Price. He got up there. He was big bopper in the middle. You know, and he would take on anyone. But they'd make their tackles, and that's all we're asking. Regardless of size, regardless of skill, regardless of experience. We're asking you to make your tackle. No matter what sport it is, just make your tackle. That's your job. Make your tackle, get back up, get in the line. And we're missing 57 tackles in preseason. We were supposed to have one of the hardest preseasons ever. You know, we've got so many guys with their shirts off taking photos for media. <laughs> how about put your shirt back on? And how about you stand back up there? If you want to take your shirt off, come down here and get a shovel. You know, because I had my shirt off yesterday. It wasn't a good look. But uh, shoveling out of house in the sunshine, boys. But, uh, got your plums you know, out. Oh, Jesus, you know. Got, got the keg out. I think I borrowed one off Izzy there. But, uh, yeah. But, but boys, let's, just, just, let's, let's make some tackles. That's all I ask for. Eh? Put some effort in. Hey, Joey. Yeah, beautiful, awesome. Joe. Always appreciate your call. You keep up that great mahi you're doing there in Parafatia as well, man. We appreciate oh, your is. call every single time. Yeah. I've got a couple of quick ones here. We had a bloke called Harvey Howard played up at Brisbane and played with us in Leeds. And a young Patrick, a French little halfback, and Dougie Lawton comes at a half time. He goes, Harvey, Harvey, why is Patrick making all those tackles like that? You need to do some tackling. And Harvey just, he was really, what he goes, Dougie, have a look at him. Who are they going to run at? Are they going to run at him or are they going to run at me? <laughs> I, I just burst out laughing because he was dead, right? And the other one, yeah. the other one, Mike, um, Mike, oh, geez, what's his name? Mike Forshaw. He's the current, I think he's a Scottish defensive coach. Is he? The Scottish defensive coach? Mm. Well, Mick, Mickey Forshaw was our number eight. Adrian Morley talks about him. He was our number 13 on the back of our scrum leads. He missed 10 tackles one game. Mate, if you miss 10 tackles in a game, you're mud. All right, you were absolutely mud back in my day. And when they said, oh, yeah, when Moz went, oh, Mick Forshaw can be, he's a Scottish defensive coach. It's the first thing that comes to my mind. And I remember the coach bawling him out about missing 10 tackles. And he comes up to me afterwards and he goes, oh, Kempe. He goes, Kempe, mate, does he want to get out there and try and tackle them buggers? Like this? And I was like... I was just looking at him going, don't miss 10 tackles, brother. You're going to cop it. Oh, oh mate. But there, there Stories are come. Joe, Joey picks a he says the he says the right thing. Don't look like Tarzan and play like Jane. If you're gonna get your shirt off, like you know the the photos I know of shirts off? Ray Price mm. when he had all those ice packs all over him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shoulder straps that were tying your shoulders down because you'd pop them out so many times. <laughs> um not these ones when you take them off the game, you got tattoos and your chest out like Tarzan, <laughs> it makes me laugh. But good work, Joey. Thanks a lot for the call. Oh, so good. So good. Always on the money. Yeah, look, those are the ones that you never run at. The ones with, you know, you think, oh, they're looking a bit 
slodgy or, you know, but, man, it's on the inside that matters. Those are the ones that have got the big tickers, the big hearts, not just the, the big old muscles on the outsides to boot. Love it. And there's a couple of messages coming through. Stacey is the most obvious choice from Shane from Auckland. Ali Lawatiti, 100%. Kempi from Stratty. Stacey Jones, all day, boys. SJ out, Stacey in, in the storm. We're attacking them all day. Stacey and TM would be great. Hytro Ocassini from Hytro. Logan in Chrysler. Hytro, what a man. I'd hate to tackle that. What a name. <laughs> Dean Bell. Dean Bell. A couple of Dean Bells coming through, Kempe. Some absolute Mate, champions. Belly. Jones, Wiki. Oh, keep those messages coming. Who would you love? When you think about the Warriors of old, there are some champion names that we could announce and talk about all single, every single day. Love your work. Joey from Gizzy, and love your little question there, Louis. Appreciate it. Keep those messages coming through. A warrior you'd love to see out there from any era to be a part of this Warriors team right now. We're going to shoot off. And remember, last week we had a little a little part of our show where we made you guess who will be the top scorer for the cricket. Kempi can't win it, so we're going to announce our winner after this. You're listening oh, to Izzy on. and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Yes, CNZ, 28 minutes past 8 a.m. on your Tuesday. So true. Now, let's play a game of true or false. Is he? Tony? Yeah. Is it true that Tony Kemp is the Oracle? <laughs> false. Wow, I'm starting to think it. Oh, I'm starting to think it when the Oracle wins our own bloody prize uh, competition. <laughs> well... Technically, see, he's an oracle to the point that even when he's not winning, he's still winning. Even when he's losing, he's winning. Uh, Mark says, Scott, as he apologised, you're currently the number one tipster on the show. Well, Mark, that that might have title have only lasted for half a day because, yes, last week we ran a tipping comp to see who, totality of both their innings, would have the most runs for the Black Caps. And unfortunately, we don't have to look too far into the second innings because, well, no one scored runs. Now, Tom Blundell was the obvious answer. Of course it was going to be Tom Blundell. He scored a massive ton, an important ton, and then he also managed to get himself out for one. So he's got 139 runs, but nobody guessed Tom Blundell. So I guess what? Does the, the rules, the fine print read that we go to the next highest score? Is that fair, Is? Yep. Yep. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> well, then, you'll remember when Kempe sent his text, he said, Conway, 100 plus. And uh, we had to get Kimpy to clarify. Kimpy, how many runs is that actually? And what did you say, Kimpy? 101. 101. <laughs> well, Conway scored 79 in total, and you were the closest by about 80 runs. <laughs> <laughs> You're not giving it to Kimpy. Do not give it to Kimpy. <laughs> well, okay, if we can't give it to Kimpy, the next closest was Kevin. Where's Kevin from, Joe? Oh, hello, Wellington. boys. Uh, Wellington. Wellington. Kevin from Wellington. He guessed Conway 160. So he was only about... <laughs> he was only 80 runs off. 81 runs off. And he didn't even have the right person that was the highest scorer. But, Kevin, there's a $50 TV bonus bet. That's how good we are around here. <laughs> well done. Oh, so good. And just on Tom Blundell, he's averaging 77 in test matches at the moment. 
So you got to fair shout if you're going to back Tom Blundell. He is in fine form. But well done, Kevin, from Wellington. A $50 TAB bonus bet coming your way, my friend. There's some awesome messages on the temper bedpost text machine, particularly one from Kevin and Titarangi. Some heroic stories coming out of the cyclone. There is plenty of those around the country. Coming up, we've got some headlines with Louie, and we also got some super rugby chat later on in the show. But before then, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. Yes, Lance Stroll is to miss this week's preseason test after suffering minor injuries in a cycling accident. Isn't that ironic? He drives one of the most dangerous vehicles in the world that hurts himself on a bike. And Liverpool's owner, John Henry, says he's not going to sell the club in the end, but they want fresh investment into the Anfield side. Uh, Fenway Sports Group, they also own the Red Sox, and I think they're circling for the Las Vegas NBA extension team as well um, said that it would consider new shareholders in November but they are not going to be selling and then in cricket news Pat Cummins has left Australia's tour of India because of a serious family illness in Sydney so he's had to leave and this is when the Australians are on the ropes down 0-2 in their test series and being comprehensively beaten in both those tests as well, so not great for the Border Gavaskar Trophy hopes of the Australian uh, to be able to snag a game back. Pat Cummins is coming home. Those are your sports headlines. And can I just leave you from one for a tweet from Eddie Hearn? Is he? He says, mm. "I want to start Monday with a little controversy. Wild Bean Cafe at BP stations is a better coffee than Starbucks and Costa. Have a good day." Do you agree? Nah. No way. No way. <laughs> no chance. Gull. It's cheap. Gull have got the best coffees. Gull have got the best <laughs> coffees. <laughs> they got the better coffees. Don't worry about that. No, no. I totally disagree with you, Eddie Hearn. Wild bean coffee? Nah. No, I, look, I, I, my coffee, When you, I hate it when you get a small coffee and it's probably 10 mils of coffee and then 3,000 litres of, of milk. And it's just real milky, and it's, there's just no coffee in it. So I'll, I'll just have to disagree with that one. I've had my fair share of coffees, and um, yeah, nah, wild bean wouldn't be right there. They're good at like four in the morning when you're going out fishing, and you get that with a nice mince and cheese, last option. But nah, <laughs> wouldn't be my first option. Uh, hey, Kimpy, I thought Izzy was going to say they're good at four in the morning yeah. when you're going going home after. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's a weird thing to do to drink. Delivered a couple of those that, with the Uber. Uber, Uber driver to deliver a couple of pies. <laughs> oh, no way. Yuck. Uh, but just quickly on that Liverpool takeover, just oh, I saw the other day that Manchester United got a serious bid from Qatar for $5 billion. So maybe new owners for Man U. $5 billion. Yeah. That for a club. Unbelievable, eh? There's actually a few, bids from there's, a few bid, there's a few bids on the table, eh? There's a few bids on the mm. table, so I hear that Beck, um, Beckham's been used as a, a promoter for a couple of the, the bidders. Um, mate, the Manchester United story just gets better and better. Oh, they sorry, they win, lying, the, one, eh? they win yeah, the comp. They're going, they're going <laughs> huge, and some other teams are speed warming. One last one, just a bit of breaking news. I forgot I was meant to put this into the headlines. Um, Taylor May has been ruled out for the 2023 season, so he's torn his ACL on that club challenge. What an Sickening blow that is, Kempi, for the Panthers. Oh, it just go, go, uh, goes from 
bad to worse done it and Taylor May played really well in that game too he made a couple of nice breaks uh, down that left edge yep losing him they had to they had to go to a, a another young wing to join uh, the team in that game uh, yeah well they'll check the depth out they've, they've got the best depth in the competition so don't worry they'll find another Taylor May the kick out Curacao and now Taylor May like they're, they're, they're losing a few Kempi like Penrith Panthers you know looking for a three-peat what do you reckon? No, not this year. Nah, you took the Roosters, eh? Are they still your pick? Oh, look, they struggled throughout the whole trial series, but it's the trials. I still, I'm still expecting them to kick on. So, um, yeah, I think the Cowboys are dead set going to be around there. I think they, you know, they've had no changes in their their team. Uh, Manly were really surprising on the weekend. Like the way that they played, so they'll you know they're the, they're in the eight, they're they're borderline. Um, but yeah, I just I don't. The question is really around Penrith with the depth and the and the talent. I I seriously think that losing Curacao and Kikau is too big a gap to fill this year. Yeah, two big losses in it. The big man in the middle, and then obviously the hooker role. Going to my West Tigers, please, Curacao, do something. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we're hoping. He is hoping. Anyway, coming up, we're going to talk some super rugby. How good? Back soon. Oh, rumour has it. 16 away from nine. <laughs> the rumour mill has been swirling around the SENZ Christchurch building this morning. I'm about 100 metres from Orange Theory Stadium, and it's about minus five in here, and it's about 30 degrees outside. Uh, and I was I was just thinking, boys, Super Rugby this weekend, Super Rugby is like one of the great rumour fields. There's just so many rumours that kind of come out of rugby that kind of filter throughout the summer into Super Rugby. Double eight, double three. do you have any Super Rugby rumours you want to lob out there? 0800 150 I know that Kempi, you've got a couple, and I know that Izzy, you've got one or two as well. Um, I've I've got one. I'll I'll start us off, and and I know Robbie's got one as well. I I'm hearing a rumor. I'm hearing a rumor that the Highlanders are confident they can be a top two New Zealand team this year. Wow, where'd you hear that rumor from? Just the rumor mill. I just think with a bit of international and, and senior influence, I just think that they, they're ready just to really tune it up for Aaron Smith's swan song. Oh, I'm hearing it. Anyway. I like that. I like that. Rumour mill was swirling down south. The southerners. Is that from Brad from Dunedin? The rumour mill? Ooh, we'll have to wait and see. I've got a wee rumour mill circling down here in Christchurch. When Izzy Dag put up his drone over Rugby Park, just to get a wee sneak peek of the starting team to take on the Chiefs. And, well, rumour has it that the one and only, a position that has been debated for a wee while now, who is going to take over the throne that Jerome Kano left? Well, rumour has it, Ethan Blackadder is back, baby, <gasps> starting in that sixth position for the Crusaders for taking on the Chiefs. Ethan Blackadder is back, Kempe. Oh, yeah. He's a unit, too. Out pig hunting, doing all this stuff. He probably carries his ute around on his back. He's that big and <laughs> strong. And love the and love the haircut, the beat, and they're bringing back the tower to Nico Mullet. Um, that's a good one. That's a good one. But boys, biggest rumor going out, and I got a phone call. I got to say, phone's ringing hot after Will Warbrick 
carved it up on the wing for Melbourne on the weekend from a Hurricanes number 12 of just one of those little players thinking that maybe this is his last year in the black jersey <laughs> and he's headed to one and only the Warriors. I'll let you just simmer on that one. Is that Geordie Barrett? Barrett? <laughs> no, no I'm not going to say. it's a Geordie Barrett to the NRL. I'm not going to say, but my phone's going off the hook. Oh, <laughs> they would dream about it. They would dream about that. Geordie Barrett going to the NRL. I'm sure he's been touted by many teams and targeted for sure. Another rumour, lads. Another rumour out of Auckland. Might have come from Ken from Auckland in, re- in regards to Roger Tui Vasashek. There's been a little bit of debate around it, and I've been staunch on the stance of him playing on the outside backs. Rumour has it, his biggest impact this year will be in the outsides. Particularly <gasps> the number 14 jersey. Rumour has it. 14. He's having a few little repetitions in that 14 jersey, and he's going to have a huge year. Rumours. No, rumours that- are true. I love it, and and you know what? It's almost like a, they've invested so much in them at twelve, but you know, don't die on the hill. Um, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven double eight double three. What's your Super Rugby rumor that you've heard? Or only three days out from the competition kickoff, Robbie? Did you 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 whispered one down the line to me before? I don't know. Is that for air? Are you allowed to put this one on air? Oh, I don't know. I've 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 dug right. deep into the Super Rugby rumor mill for this one, and you'll like it. Is I've I've heard. The Crusaders are considering pulling out because they're finding it too easy. <laughs> <laughs> and where are they going? They're Robbie. going to the Northern Hemisphere. They're just going to... they got plenty. They're going they to the World Cup. Yeah, it's becoming the Seven Nations. <laughs> wow. Look, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. They would, do, they would do some damage out there in the North if it became the Seven, seven Nations. Look, I'm, no surprises. When you do something for so long, and it becomes repetitive, it can get quite boring. But that is not the case, and that is not in their DNA for the Crusaders. I'll tell you that. They're going for a 7 Pete, and it's going to get done. There you go. Brad has come through. Rumour has it that it was me that started that rumour. Regards to the Highlanders, top two. <laughs> there you go, Brady. He's on to something. Another one here from Cam. Morning, lads. Rumour has it the Blues are not going to live up to the hype Yet again, and the Saders are going to give Razor his last dance from Cam. Ooh. I think that rumour's true, Cam. Hey, um, I think that probably that's the most sense that's been spoken in this wee part, that they're going to get the job done. So they're not leaving. What What about I got one last rumour, and this is, this is pure speculation. This rumour started about three feet, feet to my left when I walked into the room just before. But I'll lob it out there. Rumour has it, Brett Cameron is not going to be a one-test all-black. Oh, that is a goodie. That is a good. They'd be down a few blows at the start of the season. They're lacking a 10. they got Aidan Morgan there at the moment who's going to get his opportunity. Brett Cameron, one-test all-black, coming from no man's land. He went to the Manawatu, the great Manawatu, Lammy, and really... Showed signs of the quality he possesses. Maybe he's going to enhance, add to that one test and take over from Richie Moanga and Bowden Barrett. Wow. Rumour has it. How good, lad. 
There you go. Any more rumours? Flick them through. Double eight, double three on the Temper Bedpost text machine. You've heard it here first. Ethan Blackadder is back. Geordie Barrett's going to the NRL. And the Highlanders are making top two. And the Crusaders, well, they've just had enough of winning, so they're leaving all together to give everyone else a chance because, let's be honest, it's getting boring. Someone that's not boring is Smithy, and he's coming up. Yes, welcome back. It's time to pass, pass the baton over to Ian Smith. He's in the Hawks Bay, and, well, Smithy, we've been talking rumours, and Staffy's come through. Rumour has it, Braden Yossi, Bolter for the a, uh, for the ABs later on this season. Really? This from Staffy from the Manawatu Turbos. Is that the same <laughs> yeah. Staffy? Yeah, that is the same Staffy. He's got his patch on, mm. as, as many of us have <laughs> as well. Yes, Willie. How you doing, mate? Yeah, we're good. Uh, another beautiful day in uh, Hawke's Bay as such. So uh, another good day for drying out and uh, cleaning up. Uh, that's the reality of most people uh, living in uh, certain areas here at the moment. So uh, at least... Uh, you know, the, the rain has not uh, returned and they're, they're getting a decent crack at uh, what they have to do. So long may that stay, is he? You're hearing some uh, heroic stories. We had one come through from Kevin. It's actually in the uh, front page of the Herald today. Is he, as, you live in, as I live in Titarangi and Gabriel wasn't kind to a lot out there here, but nothing in comparison to what Margaret Smiley from Pukitapu did to save her husband. Absolutely courageous to go into raging water with Currents' mental toughness. Plus, what a lady. Front page today's New Zealand Herald, mate. Uh, some heroic stories coming out of the bay and some... Now, many of people getting out there and just really lending their hand to the community. That's what Hawks Bay people do, mate. Yeah, well, they have to. Uh, they have to, is he, in this particular occasion? Yeah, I, I think every day we're going to hear more and more stories of uh, uh, heroism. Um, we're we're going to hear um, stories of um, that perhaps lean the other way as well. But um, to be honest, um, there are a lot of heroes out there and uh, those people that have saved lives in the process um, of sacrificing or... You know, risking their own um, absolute legends. There's no doubt about that. And these people at the forefront of the cleaning up who have uh, just got walls and walls of, of devastation that they uh, approach every day and just uh, chip away at it. Uh, lion-hearted people. Absolutely lion-hearted people. So uh, nothing but admiration for them. Nothing but admiration. Yeah, be- beautiful, Smithy. Oh, you have a big show, no doubt. What do you got planned for today, mate? Well, I'm going to talk to Marcus Triscothic. Now, Marcus is uh, one of England's finest uh, opening batsmen in recent years. Uh, 76 chat. test matches. Yeah, 1,400. So we're going to talk to Marcus about... He's the batting coach. How the hell do you turn a, a, a test side into what I've turned them into in terms of their batting attitude? Uh, Marcus is yeah. uh, one of the reasons for that. So, you know, you, you turk, 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 you're talking about turning around a whole attitude to uh, a lifestyle of, of cricket. So uh, how, how do we... How do we get our heads around that? And could we do it? Could, is there a possibility we could do it? Uh, we're going to talk some hockey as well. We're going to talk uh, to Grace O'Hanlon, who's the Black Sticks goalkeeper. Uh, we're going to talk uh, also to Ricardo Ball. You might know him. That's that uh, big hairy fellow that works with you every now and then. Uh, he is um, <laughs> going, to talk fo- going to talk football with us this morning on the back of the uh, Football Fans' latest couple of outings. Jacob Duffy, Ish Sodi, sent home. Right decision, Smithy. Can't bowl very well in the nets, can they? Is he? <laughs> That's nah. what I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I, re- I, I just throw my hands up in the air at the moment. Um, I mean, the more things, the more things seem to change, the more they stay the same. It's as simple as that. 
Look at crazy signs. Look at. I'm just looking at Kempi. I'm trying to emulate Kempi just sitting back there, just looking at. What a beautiful backdrop he has. Tone Smithy. I'm looking at myself. I'm looking at myself, and I'm looking at you, and I can't have. Anyone else I'll look up to. You, you've got what the perfect stance, is, the perfect body. I love it. I watched, I watched, your, uh, I watched you walk down your hall about uh, seven or eight minutes ago. It took you three minutes to get to the end of it. It's that bloody big. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Smitty. Have a good day. Back tomorrow.